<clears throat> Welcome into the His Nurse Podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we have a re- five recap of all the NFL action. Uh, we're recording this before the Monday Night Football game, so we'll have our reaction to that one in a pod later this week. But we will cover the, all the games from Sunday, including a great Sunday night football game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Some big losses like the Packers in London and the Giants jumping out to a four and one record and much more here on this week five recap of the NFL. Alrighty, Paige, in a week that include, started with just the worst game in history between the Colts and the Broncos, began with an upset in London, the Giants jumping out to a 4-1 and one record. The Patriots You're welcome. Shutting, oh, yes. We'll get to that. Don't worry. You will have your time in the sun. <laughs> uh, the Bills stomping the Steelers, the Bucks beating the Falcons on a very suspect roughing the passer call. The Jets improved to three and two, and the Ravens close it out on Sunday football with a late Justin Tucker field goal, 19-17. And Cooper Rush wins again, becoming four and one this a four and oh this season, five and oh as a starter. That all happened this week. Uh an up and down week um in terms of the action. There were games that were quite a bit of distance teams came back and we continued the trend of a bunch of one score games in the fourth quarter so over the course of all the action um i think i know where you're going to be headed with this one but where to you was the biggest surprise or the most fun game for you oof funnest game for me is always if the packers lose that's gonna be my funnest game of the week um just That's so fun to fair assessment. Yeah. Just so fun to start out a Sunday morning with a close tight game. Aaron Rodgers looking really bad and the Giants coming out on top. And I don't know, it's interesting. Uh you mentioned last podcast that you think that the Giants are the biggest like uh posers in terms of the in the terms of the record that they have. It's but true. I don't know. I think there's something to be said about a good coach that has some good talent and he's able to do some things. And I think Brian Dable is exactly what the Giants uh team needed. Yeah, I mean you can't argue with the results because it's funny you look over the box store box score and I won't sit here and pretend that I watched the entirety of the game. Uh for us here it's at 7 30 mountain time. So I turned it on and I sat there and then I dozed off repeatedly on and off. I remember different parts of the game, but you look over the box score, Daniel Jones didn't light it up. Saquon Barkley, you know, had 13 carries for 70 yards. Um, But you just kind of trickled down. The touchdowns came from three different players, uh, Saquon, Gary Brightwell, Daniel Bellinger. Danny Jones went 21 for 27, 217. There wasn't a bunch of just like lighted up big time game. And I think that, you know, it it just speaks to, as you already mentioned, the coaching. Uh, Brian Dayball looks like the real deal. He's got the team believing in the scheme, uh, playing up to their ceiling, not, you know, playing up to their potential. Um, not making mistakes. You know, I think it's the biggest difference in this team for the last five years is you'd watch a Giants game and you'd see um, a number of just self-inflicted wounds, whether it was Daniel Jones making, you know, fumbling off a sack, 
um, you know, a bunch of penalties uh, and defense giving up big plays. And this one, they limited what Aaron Rodgers was able to do. They, the Packers didn't score in the second half, um, except for, I guess they got they, the safety at the end will be in the box score, but that was a Giants taking the safety on purpose for uh, time management reasons. So great to see them lose. Um, and I don't know, are the Packers overrated this year? Their defense doesn't look as vaunted um, as the preseason hype was going into the season. Yeah, I think a lot to take away from this, especially just in terms of like, I don't know. I just think the Giants are so fun to watch in terms of not having like this franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones obviously hasn't been that impressive up to this point. Um, but just the things that Saquon Barkley's doing, uh, Obviously, he had a little bit of an injury, Didn't wasn't in the game as much as everyone would have liked, but just cool to see the Giants come out on top in a defensive scheme that worked really, really well against the Packers offense. Yeah, I think this game, I was reading through some Packer Twitter, you know, being, so, you know, Viking fans were very honest about that. I like going back and want, reading the Packers fans' painful um, tweets and their accounts as a cheesehead TV. And, you know, one of the things they mentioned is just how pass happy the team can get with Aaron Rodgers and, and rightfully so being such a great quarterback, but you look at the box, the box score for the Packers, Aaron Jones had 13 carries, 63 yards, uh, averaging just under five. AJ Dillon had six carries for 34 yards. So just under six yards per carry. That's criminal that they didn't have more attempts. Obviously there was something working there. Um, and so, you know, having not watched the entirety of the game, but seeing that last minute drive where Aaron Rodgers had two balls deflected on the final two plays. Um, it's just kind of interesting to see where uh, maybe things could have been handled a little bit better, giving AJ Dillon a little more love on the ground. Cause if you're averaging almost six yards of carry, you definitely should get more than just six attempts at rushing. So always good to see the Packers falter. Um, and it just kind of, you know, with the schedule they have upcoming, they have a few more tough games. They, you know, they play the the Jets and the Commanders the next couple of weeks, but then they'll they'll play the Bills and Cowboys and Titans in the next three or four. So if they don't really get their groove going, and a lot of people are thinking this is one of their get right games, kind of get the offense going against the Giants defense, but they did anything but that in, the, in London Town. Yeah, it's exciting for uh, Vikings moving up, just continuing to hold uh, that first spot in the NFC North. Um, another game. I don't know. This week was interesting. I felt like all of the games that I was like, felt like I was taking a gamble on that. I won those ones. And the ones that I thought were going to be walks in the park ended up not being that way. Um, so some surprising wins and losses this week. I think one of the most surprising for a lot of people was, I don't know, the, the lions being shut out completely by the Patriots, um, with the way that the Lions offense has been playing, um, I just don't think anybody saw that coming this week. Jared Goff looked really, really bad, and they did not do anything on, from an offensive perspective. No, it was interesting. I remember in our preview pod where, um, you know, we didn't give you the love, but you predicted the Giants were going to beat the Packers. Um, I don't think many people are on that boat, so I got to give you, I got to give you props there. But immediately following that pick, you said the Lions were going to be the Patriots. And I remember instantaneously saying, well, if I'm looking at both teams, both are one of three, it's easier for me to imagine the Lions. My logic was purely based on the fact it was easier to see one and four behind the Lions 
than it was seeing one and four behind the Patriots. And that's all I based my pick on. Not really anything that I've seen on field because they were starting Bailey Zappi and he looks serviceable and the defense lived up to the hype and they shut down that Lions attack. Now the Lions are injured across, you know, a few key positions. But if you're a Lions fan, you get nervous that maybe this Dan Campbell, um, you know, man Campbell type of attitude really just he's just not a, a you know a good coach because it's always tough when you're dealing with uh, you know, in the second year of head coach, he's only one four games and you look across, you know, look across the league and you see first year head coaches like um, Kevin O'Connell, like Brian Dayball, and they're out to a four and one lead. Now the lines, I never would say, especially when he first took over, didn't have the talent that like the Vikings do, but I would say the giants are very similar in the talent they have on their offense, you know, on their team entirely and where Brian Dayball has in game management and winning those close games where Dan Campbell hasn't. Kind of frustrating if you're a Lions fan. Yeah, and it's just interesting how, uh, I don't know, obviously Bill Belichick, a defensive-minded head coach, um, is always going to be tough on those things. Um, it was interesting from the Lions playing the last couple weeks, they have not allowed a ton of run. Um, but this game, Ramondre Stevenson carried the ball 25 times for 161 yards, Ooh. with 113 of those yards coming after contact. Yeah, it's tough. Um, and he also had the two passes. And so um, with four, he forced nine total missed tackles during the game. And so they just could not stop that run game. And that's what just drained the clock and gave the Patriots the advantage. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it, like I said, it's just if you're a Lions fans, you got to get kind of start getting a little frustrated. I wonder the you know the Patriots have a pretty tough schedule up ahead. I'm very curious to see how they make it out over the next few weeks. Um, but when you have Bill Belichick, you always have a swinging chance to at least be competitive in every single game. I mean, without a doubt. What'd you take away from the Chargers Browns game? Um, obviously, back and forth game between both ball clubs. Brandon Staley went for it, um, so they're only ahead by two goes for it fourth and two on their side of the field and they don't convert. In fact, it wasn't even close. Like the, the wide receiver wasn't even getting out of his break when Justin Herbert threw off his back, it seemed like. Um, and they win the game off a of Cade York miss field goal. Um, if you're looking at Brandon Staley and he's obviously been an aggressive coach and making those decisions, is there a like a line you draw in the sand to be like you got to be able to read a game a little bit quick, you know, a little bit better than you are because they had no timeouts. It would have been just under a minute remaining in the game or just around a minute, but instead goes for the dagger and ends up almost costing himself the game. Yeah, that game was, I don't know, that game full that game was painful in a lot of ways because to me, the only thing that looks good for the Browns is Nick Chubb. And absolutely. Like, it's just this, he had 134 rushing yards, 105 coming after contact. And it's just like, Nick Chubb is good. Yes. The rest of the Browns organization, like not that great. <laughs> um, But then I don't know, the Chargers are interesting. We've talked about it a little bit of like, they were one of the like golden childs that everyone was talking about as a favorite to win the Super Bowl. And I think this is just another year of seeing the Chargers kind of disappoint from a perspective of like what everyone thinks that they could do. And it's stuff like that. It's like those coaching decisions that they just barely, they don't 
lose that game because of a missed field goal when they should have had that game put away a lot farther in advance. And so it's just interesting to see like just bad. It's a lot of the times you don't realize how much effect that a coach has and the decisions that the coach is making that impacts the play. And I don't know, I'm just not super impressed by what we've seen from Brian, Brandon Saley all year. No, I think it's a, I think anything that you've learned. So you know, I hate to harp on it a ton, but you can listen to our, our Viking skull reaction from the win. Um, but it's just amazing. I think more than any other sport, uh, coaching has a greater effect in football than any other sport that is played because of just how scheme oriented it is. Uh, and if the schemes aren't placed, then it's impossible for the team to like really succeed because if a coach is, is a dictator laying the hammer, it's his way and only his way. And so you're only relying on him calling a perfect game. And if he doesn't, well, then it's just not going to work out. And obviously, I don't think Brandon Staley has that to him. I don't think he's that type of coach, but he's making a ton of mistakes that are costing his team when it comes to just game management, whether, you know, it's on, you know, prime time when it comes to timeout management um, or just simple going for it or not going for it. Sometimes he's gotten too aggressive and sometimes he's been afraid to do it. It's just, he goes back and forth. He isn't consistent on who he is. And so, It'll be very interesting. Obviously, the, the team, like you said, with a lot of promise if the season continues. And obviously, they won. So, you know, a lot, not a lot of people are going to be thinking about it because they won. But if these decisions, if he doesn't learn from them, and we've seen it with the heat that Nathaniel Hackett's gotten, it doesn't take much for the head coach to be under fire um, and to be questioned, especially when they haven't had the pedigree of winning behind them quite yet. So... That's no, a really good point. Obviously, the Browns, I mean, they're about to be facing the gauntlet. They had an opportunity. I mean, what's crazy about the Browns, they could be sitting here at 5-0. and But if you go back and look at their two wins now, um, the Steelers and the Panthers might be the two worst teams in the NFL, or they'll yep. be bottom five. So now with the losses against, you know, against the Jets, Falcons, and Chargers, it's kind of like, okay, were we giving the Browns a little bit too much credit? Because now the next four games – they play at home against the Patriots. They play in Baltimore, at home against the Bengals, and then in Miami. I mean, they could very easily go on four, and this season will be off the rails before Deshaun Watson makes his return. Or debut, I should say, since he's never actually played for the Browns. <laughs> um, the other game that kind of caught my eye, and we found out just early today, the 49ers beat uh, the Carolina Panthers in what was Matt Rule's last game as the Carolina Panthers head coach. So Kyle Shanahan kicks Rule out. Uh, we could do a whole podcast. I think Matt Rule will be back at college. Any one of the big-time programs would be happy to have him. Great college coach. Didn't work out for me in the NFL. But uh, the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, kind of starting to prove particularly what happened in the division with San Francisco losing, Seattle losing. And Arizona losing there. I think here in the next couple of weeks, you'll see a separation with them on top of that division. Yeah. I just think that, I don't know. It's like, it's funny because the 49ers, obviously with Jimmy G, it's like they had something great. They obviously made it to a Super Bowl. They made it to NFC Championship. And so um, it's like they were looking for that missing piece. But I think that we all forgot that this is a really, really good team with a really, really good coach. Um, and so I don't know. The Panthers just look really bad too. 
So it's understandable, like why I don't think anyone was shocked by the news that Matt Rule um, was fired today. Um, but it just it was just amazing to see like the difference of impact and just like it just looked like a at some points of that game it felt like an NFL team playing a college team. Like the Panthers just looked bad. Baker Mayfield didn't look like he knew what he was doing in the pocket, and it was just painful to watch that offense on the Panthers. No, it really was, and. The stadium wasn't even full, and the fans that were there were wearing red. Uh, it was a very much a 49er home game. And I think as an owner, that's kind of one of the breaking points you have when you decide to move on from a coach. When you have a home game that's in October, I mean, we're not even, even a, you know, I think we're just across a quarter of the season, and it's already turned into where fans aren't showing up, and um, it's kind of a, a – Vibes are bad all around. Baker Mayfield left in a walking boot, and then it came out today. High ankle sprain, so he's going to be out a couple weeks. So P.J. Walker is probably going to be the quarterback with Sam Darnold as well being uh, sidelined with a pretty bad ankle sprain. He might have broken the preseason, one of the two. Uh, so just kind of, uh, you know, tear down, rebuild mode for the Panthers, I think. They'd be smart to potentially trade Christian McCaffrey near the deadline to pull back some assets. You know, obviously a team like the Bills, who are in a very much win now, right now mode, could benefit from a, a running back that can catch and run. Can you imagine? Oh, it would be unreal because there's been a lot of talk about Saquon Barkley early on in the season going to the Bills, but then obviously the, the Giants are four and one. They're not going to trade the guy that is mainly the reason they are. So now you look at, you know, it's worth a call um, because I do feel like running back Devin Singletary is fine. Um, James Cook has had a couple moments, but he's also had a couple of rookie mistakes. Um, the, the son of Dalvin Cook. I mean, not the son, the brother, the younger you brother. That would be, that'd be a little <laughs> wild. Um, the younger brother, Dalvin Cook. Um, but you know, Chris McCaffrey is an all pro. He's one of the best, you know, in his, when he's playing at his peak, he's one of the best running backs in the league. So adding that in the mix with Josh Allen, that would be one of the mil like similar to one of the moves that the Rams made last year that just put him over the top by adding Vaughn and adding Odell, which then contributed to the Super Bowl run, having a back like Christian McCaffrey at that dynamic of an offense would be something that'd be pretty sweet for sure. So I, if I'm the bills, I, I don't know, I see what it would take and, Maybe you can make something happen. Yeah, I think the Panthers are sellers. I think they're ready to tear it down to the to the bare bones. It's and time to build. It's time to build. So speaking of the Bills, the 38-3 smackdown of the Steelers. Smackdown. Josh Allen, first drive, 98-yard touchdown drive. Are the Bills officially back on track? Oh, yeah. I don't think they were ever really off track. This Sunday, coming Sunday, obviously we're waiting on the Chiefs to play Monday night football, but we could be having a late afternoon game of the year in Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs and the Bills square off. Both could be four and one. Maybe the Chiefs fall to three and two, but it'll be quite the game. Um, man, the, was this the not the primetime game? I think it's because the Bills are playing the Packers the next week in primetime. So they didn't want they I don't think you can double yeah, them up. Put the Bills Chiefs game in prime time. Put the Bills Packers game in the afternoon. I listen, I couldn't agree more because I don't think the Packers are very good. But my goodness, those those are some fun weeks right there. Oh, the Bills Pack the Packers Bills is October 30th. So 
the Bills play the Chiefs, and then they have their bye, and then they play the Packers. So, anyway, sorry. But still, the next two games they play are going to be some fun ones. Wow, that's going to be sweet. That's going to be cool. What other games in Week 5? Obviously, we could talk about the Bills, but they just they just kind of put the beat down. The Steelers look like they're going to be probably – Three and thirteen, three and fourteen. Yep, this is just where you ask if Kenny Pickett's your guy the rest of the season. That's all you can do. How just about hope he shows you. Show, How about the Jets? That. Jets being over five hundred. Yeah, that was that was surprising. Jeez, is Zach Wilson um, the guy? Is he the guy? I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously not a super explosive game for Zach Wilson. It wasn't like a huge showdown from him but what i think it did show is that he has continuous growth um it was a difficult like honestly the dolphins defense obviously one of the more difficult defenses in the league especially for a young quarterback and he finished at 14 for 21 with 210 yards two big time throws that had a huge impact and no turnover worthy plays so as his i think that it was promising if you're a Jets fan, you're excited that your team put a smackdown on the Dolphins and Zach Wilson didn't have this like insane game, which gives you hope that like your team can be even better when Zach Wilson steps up those big plays and uh, just takes more risks. Absolutely. I think if you're a Jets fan, there's really nothing that you uh, can't be excited for because of how miserable it's been. Yeah. So, uh, you know, being three and two going into week five, they play the Packers next. So that'll be a very interesting matchup in Lambeau for them. But obviously they get to play the Packers off of the London trip. So as we experience with the Vikings, there may be some little level of jet lag, but um, just, you know, kind of a cool thing for them to do. Obviously, when you draft a quarterback that high, you just hope that you know, in year two, you start to see some things and then, you know, build upon him, obviously, because Josh Allen really didn't get going till year three and four. So as long as he just continued to kind of trend upwards and by the end of year two, you know, because we talked about this when we we're doing our preview pods, really, if you go back at all the franchise quarterbacks, if they're not showing those elite level or at least capable signs by the end of year two, they're probably not the guy. Um, so that's all you can really ask for is that by the end of the year, he's making some big plays. You're floating right around 500, maybe sneak into that seven seed and then just build upon what you did. Because if the Jets have shown anything is that in the the, the management that's currently in place can draft really, really well, um, you know, because Quinn and Williams, a defense alignment, had that uh, picked up that fumble, returned it for a touchdown, uh, stiff arm Tyreek Hill to Earth yeah, that four. was <laughs> that was one of the best plays of Sunday, honestly. And uh, you know, kind of a little revenge factor because Tyreek Hill, you know, honestly could have chose between the Jets or the Dolphins. Ended up going to Dolphins because of a grown-up reason, state tax. Honestly, can't argue with him. No state income tax in Florida, um, but. I mean, if you just get a couple more drafts, if, you know, Zach Wilson trends upwards, you pick up a couple more players and pieces, you know, the Jets might be a fun team to watch over the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot of promise there. Um, and then from the Dolphins fan base, what's your biggest takeaway from that? As a Dolphins fan, are you concerned? Obviously, Tua is out because of injury. Teddy Bridgewater goes down. The NFL has enacted new protocols because of the issues with Tua going down into back-to-back games where he stumbled. So Teddy Bridgewater gets pulled out of the game because the uh, 
people who are viewing those plays feels like he stumbled a little bit. So now new rules say that he can't play anymore. So obviously third string quarterback, but any takeaways from the dolphins? Um, I think the dolphins are in a tough spot. Obviously uh, they, they jumped out to that three, uh, 3-0 record to start uh, and then face the Bengals. And obviously the whole two situation happens. They have a short week, their first drive, Teddy Bridgewater goes down like you already mentioned. And now they play the Vikings on Sunday and, and Tua, um, as um, Mike McDaniel said, ha- is not ready to do football things yet. He didn't rule them out, but if he's not doing football things now, how ready is he going to be to be playing, um, you know, in six days? So is and Tua's in concussion protocol. It's just it's, so Skylar Thompson's going to be your starting quarterback. Um, they have a couple get right games after the Vikings. They play the Steelers, um, the Lions, and the Bears. So you just hope that hey, you know what? If we get three and three because of all this quarterback issue that we've had, we can you know get into a spot where we rip off three wins, get above um, you know three games above five hundred. Because I think they realize they're probably not going to win the division against the Bills. You know they won a very fluky game, but they'd have to play lights out the rest of the year to kind of make up that ground that the Bills have already gained on them. Um, so. Uh, I don't know how you feel as a Dolphins fan. You just hope that two is okay and he could come back and look all right, but it doesn't look very encouraging right now. Yeah, I think your best bet is Tua getting back in there and uh, you've got Tyree Kill and those exciting things that we've seen at the beginning of the season. But it's reminiscent a little bit to me of last season with the Dolphins. I'm pretty sure they started out 4-0. Is that 2021 they... No, last year, last year they started one and all they beat the Patriots, but then they lost five or like, I think they lost six or seven in a row, but then they won set six or seven in a row to get back to 500 late in the year and then won and lost one lost. So, okay. It might've been the year before that. I remember the, um, I remember them having in recent years, having a pretty good run where they were looking really, really promising and then having a disappointing season the rest of the year. And so you just hope as a Dolphins fan that that's not what you're experiencing again in terms of good play um, at the beginning in kind of like the the September heroes and then kind of dissipating as the season goes on. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. So I don't know what your takeaway on the Saints are. I think the Saints-Seahawks are two teams that uh, are kind of going nowhere. But I will say this. whoever the Se- Whatever the Seahawks game is, you're just going to want to put it on because it's going to be a fun freaking game to watch. Yeah, seriously. I feel like, I don't know, it's funny. It's like Taysom Hill's the type of player that's going to have that game once in a blue moon where he's just going to go off and he's perfectly aligned and just gets those things. He's not going to be a player that consistently does that for you, but it sure is fun to watch when he's in that zone. But honestly, I think one of, for me, one of the biggest takeaways from this is that the, the Seahawks lost, but Geno Smith still looked really, really good. Really and good. It's so intriguing to do this story. My favorite storyline right now in the NFL is the Russell Wilson Seahawks whole situation because it's like, is was Russell Wilson the problem in Seattle? Like, was he the issue? Because we see Pete Carroll having Geno Smith, who no one would have ever thought, um, 
could be the quarterback that he is playing with right now. And we think, oh, the first game, oh, it's just kind of like, oh, it's Sunday night. It's Sunday night football. He's just lucky this time, like just has the momentum. And then second week, same thing. Third week, same thing. But five weeks in and he's still playing extremely good football. And so it's just interesting to me. I just really like that storyline of like, what is, and the difference that Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson looks like what everyone expected Geno Smith to look like. And it's laughable at how bad Russell Wilson has been playing. No, absolutely. On the year, he has 75% completion percentage, 1,305 yards, nine touchdowns and two interception interceptions. While Russell Wilson, it has he's got a 59% completion percentage, 1,254 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. And their teams have the same record, but one has a defense that can stop anybody, and the other has a defense that can't stop a nosebleed. If you look over the last Week so they gave up 32, uh, 39 the Saints, 45 the Lions, who just got shut out, 27 to the Falcons, 27 to the Niners. And although the Broncos only scored 16 on them, they had two drives that fumbled inside the five yard line right at the goal line. So it's really, you know, could have gave up 30 points. And as we've seen, that Bronco offense is terrible. So it just speaks to how bad the Seattle Seahawks off defense is, or else they could be sitting really nice. Uh, the re, you know they're not two and three because of Geno. They're you know they have those two wins because of Geno, um, which is just cool to see. I hope it continues to work out for them. Obviously, a long year to go, um, but just something to keep your eyes on. Of hey, you know what, Seattle, if they're on, they're worth watching because you got DK Metcalf, you got Tyler Lockett. Uh, Kenneth Walker out of nowhere, the rookie. Um, they got a lot of playmakers, and then they give up a bunch of big plays on the defensive side. So you just know it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of moving along to some some of the afternoon games. Uh, obviously, Eagles, Cardinals. Um, an interesting game there. The Cardinals are able to get themselves back into that game. And obviously, uh, Jalen Hurts sets up a really nice drive over seven minutes long, gets down, they they get into the end zone, um, and they're able to go up by three. And Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, the Cardinals defense stopped the Hurts, stopped the Eagles from scoring a touchdown and putting the game away. And they give the ball back to the Cardinals with like a minute 45. And Kyler Murray on those first few plays of that drive looks awesome he's getting yards gets down and then obviously makes kind of a stupid mistake of he totally had that first down but he started sliding way before the marker so and that was on third down then he spikes the ball so it's now fourth and they are forced to kick with 22 seconds left instead of going for it and it's interesting because it's easy to blame Kyler Murray in that situation of being Mm -hmm. the one that should have made the right decision. But it's also interesting because you know that he's got people in his headset yelling at him, telling him what to do, telling him to spike the ball in that moment. And so obviously this is just another, I think, perfect example of the issues in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray not getting along and not seeing eye to eye in terms of how to play football. And it's the little things like that where you can have all the talent in the world, but if your coach and your quarterback aren't aligned, then in those moments, that's how you lose a game. 
um, is because you're making those small mistakes that are going to have a huge impact. And so it's just interesting to me to see the way that that game ends when it's not the it's not the Eagles that necessarily did it. And I think that's the thing I find funny is that a lot of the Eagles wins, like the the, the Eagles win um, against the Vikings. It's all based on the mistakes of the other team rather than on like the Eagles stepping up in a big moment. And so obviously that's up for interpretation about how teams step up, but it's just interesting that they have won a couple games based on the dumb decisions of players rather than like their team actually being the productive one. Yeah. I'm going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, the Sunday night football game upcoming. You know, I think you hit everything on the Cardinals perfectly. They're just going to be a team that entirely get rid of Cliff Kingsbury. And I've said this for a long time, they're never going to be, uh, playing up to this, this, the, the nature or the ability of their players. I just, I just don't think he maximizes any of the, of the talent around him. Um, but I just, I, I'm not a real b- big believer in the Eagles. I, you know, I see him barely beat the lions. You know, they, they beat the commanders 24 to eight, but all 24 were in the first half, you know, they, they come back and beat the Jaguars in the slot fest, but that was after Trevor Lawrence fumbled four times and they only won by eight. And then you hit home on this one, 20 to 17. So they play Sunday night at home against the Cowboys. That'll be a really big game, but it's just another situation where big primetime home is, is a game that's at home which is just a big advantage for them. And then they kind of get into another soft stretch of their schedule. So it'll just be really interesting to see. I think they're going to finish with a lot of wins, but I just think when that uh, playoff time comes, you know, much like they did last year where Jalen Hurts kind of got exposed in such a pressure-packed environment against the Bucks, I just wouldn't be shocked to see uh, when the talent level's equal and the moment's just a big for both sides um, because of the Eagles' lack of schedule uh, for most of the season that they kind of fold when when it all comes down to it. But, you know, I guess we'll see when it comes around. I know, I'm like, 5-0 uh, and o is 5-0, and o, but I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of interesting things that have gone into that for the Eagles this season. Oh, I 100% agree. Speaking of uh, that matchup, you got the Cowboys winning 22 to 10. As I mentioned in the beginning, Cooper Rush 4 0 on the year. The Cowboys sitting at 4 1, leading into the big NFC East showdown in Lincoln Financial Field. Um, the Rams just look lost. I saw an interesting stat um, that the Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan have the same stats of, I think it's either five touchdowns and 21 sacks taken for both quarterbacks. It, it's impossible to play the game as a quarterback if you have no time. And that's just what Matthew Stafford's dealing with. He just can't um, really get any comfortable setting in the offense. And it just looks like it's painful for him to play right now. Just looks like the Rams are out of sync. Um, and unless they get their footing quick, this could be a pretty lo- quickly lost season. Man, it's just so confusing to see a Sean McVay team play this way um, where it just looks really bad. Um, But then also, I mean, I think the key also is that the Cowboys defense is just it is beautiful. Like it is operating so well and it's just so scary. And so I'm really excited. I'm so excited for the Eagles Cowboys matchup because I think that uh, this is the most difficult defense that the Eagles have faced this year. And so I think it's going to be a really good test of the Eagles offense of like, if they're as good as people think they are. Um, And I don't know, is there, I guess it'll depend. I think that this is the biggest thing with the Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott situation is that 
this last game, like Cooper Rush didn't do anything like insanely incredible. No. The key to success that for Cooper Rush, I feel like has been that he is just consistent and he doesn't turn over the ball. And so it's like, if you can keep those two things up with the caliber of defense that the Cowboys have, that defense will carry you through. And the quarterback's job is to just feed Ezekiel Elliott, feed, get hit CD lamb and you will be productive on offense. You just can't, you don't have to have these huge explosive plays in terms of trying to play like a Patrick Mahomes, play like a Josh Allen. Like the key to this success is slow and steady drives that gain yardage and then giving your uh, defense those opportunities to just shut out other teams. Absolutely. I mean, he's you know, 61% completion percent, 839 yards, four touchdowns. And the biggest stat of them all, no interceptions. When you have a defense that is playing as well as the Cowboys are, you just, if you don't make the mistake that put um, teams in short fields, you just are going to win a lot of football games when you have a defense with Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs playing as well as they are. Because the only touchdown drive that the Rams had was a 75 yard burst out of Cooper, uh, out of Cooper Cup. Um, and you're just not going to live on that if you're an offense, so you'll take it as a defense. So there's no QB controversy in my mind because, you know, he went 10 for 16 for 102 yards. Um, I just think he's just doing enough to keep the team afloat, which has made him a lot of money as a backup. Um, but I think that, you know, when Dak gets back, this is a team that needs to be taken very seriously because the defense is Super Bowl caliber caliber as long as they all stay healthy and Dak will be able to make more plays in the passing game and in the you know in the running attack as well than Cooper Rush can. So I think the Cowboys are legit. I think they're really good. And it's going to be interesting to see how that NFC East plays out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh one matchup that was a lot of fun was one of the best games I think of Sunday was the Bucks Falcons game. It was that uh, roughing the passer car was a bunch of bull jive. Um, Tom Brady getting another call to win himself another game because the Falcons had all the momentum and they, you know, they had Tom Brady sacked. The Bucks were going to have to punt. And, you know, maybe Marcus Mariota doesn't leave down the field, but maybe he does. Um, but the Bucks escape with another divisional win. Tom Brady's 11 and 0 against the Falcons. Um, and they seem to have gotten a few things corrected, although their offense hit a really big lull after they scored their third touchdown to jump out to a big lead. Yeah. And I think that's just one of those games too, where, as we mentioned earlier, it's like people wanted to like, I think people didn't expect the Falcons to be competitors this year. And so it's always fun to see those teams that everybody's not really thinking about um, in the six months leading up to the season that actually show up and they're going to be a difficult team to beat throughout this entire season. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're going to be, yeah. You know, I would not be shocked if the Falcons are that, that sneak in seven seed team um, just because I, I think Arthur Smith is a good coach. He maximizes the talent, particularly on the offensive side of the football. Um, and they make really good adjustments in the second half. They really have come out in second half of games minus the first week against the saints, but they've come out in the second half and performed really well. Uh, the last game of the day, the Bengals and the Ravens, um, uh, one of the cool things I think from this game, John Harbaugh went against analytics at a certain point when it was, I think it was 13 to 10. Um, and he extends the lead to 16 to 10 instead of going forward in the red zone, or I think they were even inside the 10. It was pretty dang close. Um, 
and the Bengals go down and score a touchdown. But because he had taken the three points, they have the ability to drive down and just get a field goal off to win 19 to 17. So there is something to be said. I mean, I don't think it's every single time, but I think there's something to be said about just taking your points, particularly when it's a close game and a field goal, you know, might be the only thing that separates you at the end. Because that game's completely different if they go for it and they don't get it, and now they got to go all the way down the field in a minute and a half and score a touchdown. Completely different, they probably end up losing. I know. Well, and it's just interesting, especially because I don't know. I think that Zach Taylor obviously has done a lot of good things, got them to the Super Bowl, but I think there's there's moments like this where you start questioning the decision making ability mm-hmm. um, of the head coach and like when they if they truly have an understanding of like their team's best interest of like how to utilize the talent that they have. I think my biggest takeaway from this game is uh, on the Ravens defensive side Um, last year, right in the Ravens games against the Bengals, they let uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar chase run all over them. And uh, Joe Burrow threw for over 900 yards combined in the two games. And so I think that was um, as a Raven Raven fan, you're just so excited to see them hold Jamar chase to only like 50 yards um, to keep Joe Burrow on lock and to have your defense come up in those big moments. Um, and obviously Lamar doesn't have to be, I think it's also nice to see sometimes with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who is so good, so talented, so versatile, but can also take risks that lose games. Um, you're just, you're just comfortable knowing that like, you know what, like we can, we just need Lamar to put the game in the hands of Justin Tucker, like half the time, like if the Ravens can just do that, Justin Tucker is always going to make it happen in those big moments the best kicker to ever do it in the game and so I thought it was a super fun game lower scoring but it was just cool to see both defenses um play well and Mm -hmm. just good defensive football on both sides yeah and obviously this game carrying a lot of weight obviously the Browns have faltered um the Steelers have greatly faltered so this one is a big game in determining who's going to be the afc north uh champion at the end of the year obviously a long way to go but i have a prediction for you after this game looking at the Bengals' schedule um they play the in new orleans they play at home against the falcons in cleveland at home against the panthers and then in pittsburgh i think they're about to rattle off five straight wins um to get uh, two, seven, and three. And then they play the Tynes, Chiefs, um, uh, Bengals, Bucks. But I think they're going to rattle off five straight. Joe Burrow's going to have a few big games in there. So will Jamar Chase. I, I, I kind of question what Zach Taylor's limit is um, as a coach in terms of an offensive play caller because there was a few questionable, like a reverse when you're on the two-yard line. Just seemed like a little bit of a weird call. Um but obviously the success has been there. So I would imagine that over the next five weeks, they can get a few of those issues worked out um, and get on the right side of, of the, of the reading of the record. Yeah. I think that uh, every week we always just pass over the commanders games, regardless of who they're playing. (laughs) (laughs) I think you said that last week. Yeah, I think that's the last game that we did not talk about was Titans Commanders. Any takeaways you have from that game? Oh, it was a double thing because it was the Titans too. Just kind <laughs> of a, I don't know. There's really not much to pull from it. Uh, 
uh all i do remember is uh a couple of really nice balls from carson wentz and i don't remember it i remember one uh titan highlight that they showed on red zone but i think it was like the perfect carson wentz game because the two touchdown passes he made were perfect <laughs> but they still somehow lost because you just don't see the rest of the game so i'm not going to yeah. see and pretend like i know what happened what the flow of the game was i do know that the the commanders had the ball on the goal line uh to win the football game and he threw an interception on third and goal so i do remember that part of it just tough if you're a commanders fan because you got a terrible owner you don't have your franchise quarterback and you have a coach who's probably going to get fired this year so it just seems as the cycle is on repeat for you good old commanders football um any closing thoughts on the week for you a weird week five, but just looking forward to week six. Well, if you thought that was weird, speaking of the commanders, they open up the week Thursday night football, the commanders in Chicago. That is a real game. Like, is put. the NFL trying to, like, make Amazon Prime look bad? Well, it's just funny because they opened with Chargers Chief, and I was like, oh, wow, they're going to give the big games the little love to Thursday night, and then... Uh, Colts Broncos, one of the worst football games I've ever seen in the history of football. And now trying, you're giving us Commanders Bears. I'm trying to look ahead. They have they have Kyler Murray the week after they play the Saints. That's I mean, but they have the Ravens Bucks on October 27th. That should be a good there we one. Go. It'll pick up. Ugh, and then Eagles Texans. What? Falcons Panthers. I mean, Titans Packers is okay. Uh, Bills at Lions. I mean, the Bills will probably win by 50. Bills Patriots? The Bills have two back-to-back Thursday night games. And then Raiders, Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, Jaguars. I mean, all these are pretty bad. I ain't going to lie to you. There's like two good ones. Cowboys at Titans. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but it ain't good. I'll tell you that much. Oh, what? I just realized another game we didn't talk about. What was that one? Jags Texans. Oh, that game. That game was ugly. That, Ter- that was terrible. Freaking Jags. They gave us that like little glimpse where we're like, wait, wait. Are we hey. underestimating the Jaguars? And it turns out no. Are we these? Weren't. No, we weren't. They just happened to have a couple good games in the midst of really, really bad games. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, I know, had a few more fumbles through two interceptions. Um, kind of, you know, they beat the beat the Chargers 24-0. They jump out to a 14-0 lead. And ever since that point, they've been outscored. Um, what what how much did the Eagles put on them? Let's see. 29. So they scored 13. They've been outscored 42 to uh 13 ever since jumping out to the 40, 14-0 lead against the Eagles. Um, I will, the only thing I tell you about the Texans game is that I have Damon Pierce on my fantasy team in one of my leagues, and that's been paying off greatly for me. That was a late round, late trade I just made. Super excited about that. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good pickup. I think that, honestly, I just think that the Titans are going to kind of sludge their way to another AFC South win just because they have the best coach in the division, yeah. um, while the other teams just continue to fight for third and you know second place. Not even fight. Sometimes it just feels like they're laying down. They're just like, I don't want it. You take it. Type of a thing. No, no, you take it. You take it. (laughs) 
Well, awesome. Um, we touched on every game, so, you know, pat ourselves on the back for that. Uh, we will have the preview pod um, reacting to Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, and looking at the upcoming week. Week six is upon us, a third of the way through the NFL season. We will preview the biggest games um, and talk about the matchups we are the most looking forward to and give our predictions. Anything else before we close up, Paige? Nope. Skull. All right. Ended with a skull. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Hisners podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister, Paige. We will talk to you later.